We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Arsenal, Arsenal, the shit out of another Arsenal game. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, if it sounds like I am in my uh, doomsday bunker, I should be, but I'm not. I'm actually in a lovely home in South Florida with family uh, celebrating what was just a terrific 1-1 draw with Atletico Madrid at the Emirates uh, in the first leg of our Europa League semifinal. I am joined by Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive, P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. Um, so here's the reality. I am working with some limited tools here in terms of the headset, the room, the privacy. You're going to hear my daughter, I guarantee it, probably my parents as well. Uh, all of that will hopefully obscure the content, which will just be me moaning like a baby. Uh, not like my toddler baby, but like an actual man baby. I want to start the podcast with a little bit of a public uh, service announcement. This podcast, for reasons uh, that I cannot entirely understand, has been nominated for a Football Blog Awards award. It's not a blog, it's a podcast, but they do podcast awards too. You can find them on Twitter at the FBAs, A followed by an S, the FBAs. And if you find them on Twitter, the, you will see the format of how you vote for this podcast. But if you were uh, so inclined to vote for this podcast, I will come hug you, uh, full body hug, wherever you are. Um, but if you prefer I not, you can also just please tell me not to do that. Uh, the way you do it is you say, uh, you just tweet, I am voting in at the FBAs for at Arsenal V podcast to win the um, hashtag podcast category. Hashtag the FBAs or hashtag FBAs. You know what? Go to their Twitter. You'll see it. Uh, vote if you can. If you can't, I, I totally understand. We love you anyway. Uh, you're listening, and that is really the best we can ask for. In any event, uh, let's get down to business. And Clive, 
I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted at full time. I, I think that my emotion got the better of me on Twitter, and it was very hard for me to distance myself from the result uh, to see way to the performance. But before we get to that, I believe you were at the game. So why don't you play the role of Tim on this podcast um, and and tell us how the atmosphere was, what the foil flags were like, how, how much of a cauldron was the Emirates? It seemed like one watching on TV, but how was it for you at the game? Yeah, I, I call myself a, a direct debit fan. I go once a month, really. And when I've been to a couple of games this year, calendar year, and um, you can see, you know, the apathy. It's re- it's real. You don't realise it actually, but last but last night, um, just getting the tube across London. I, I worked by London Bridge, and I just went across, and you could just tell it was just lots more people around. I drink in the twelve pins beforehand in Finsbury Park. It was absolutely packed, and it, you just felt it. And um, how many pins and, did you have, out of curiosity? <laughs> well, I only had a, I only had a, a few pints, but okay. the twelve pins is the uh, is the pub, and um, and yeah, it was packed, and it was buzzing. You could just tell this was this was big, and um, inside the ground that confirmed it. And yeah, there was there was very 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 few empty empty seats right so um yeah it, it, it had a nice feeling to it and um it felt like a big occasion it's for me the biggest game of the season so far that i've that i've been to um and it just felt good to be back at that level of anticipation and all the expectations surrounding it so yeah absolutely feverish in there and everybody was so supportive and so expectant of a of a good night and it i hope it came across on tv but it certainly was big in the ground yeah i thought it did and look i'll tell you something i mean i am nothing if not halfway or three quarters of the way up my own ass and i had really convinced myself that he had to go with the back three for this game that we needed to use uh our fullbacks becoming wingbacks to provide the width which is where you can hurt um where you can hurt uh atletico and you know, I really felt that that would be necessary also to give us the, the defensive stability we needed to not concede the away goal. I thought Jack Wilshire absolutely had to be kept out of the team. He didn't do any of that. He went with the back four. He went with Jack Wilshire, although we played more as the double pivot um, rather than the 10 that he had been playing, and they pushed Ramsey forward. And, you know, he, he, he didn't do any of the things I wanted him to do, and I think he deserves credit for it because they still produced the performance on the night. And what seemed clear to me, even from the start, is that they understood they had to attack in wide spaces. And we seemed intent on getting the ball to Bellerin or Monreal overlapping and attacking. Now, that's obviously a highly risky strategy. But even in those first 10 minutes, let's talk before the red card. I thought we were all over them. We were using wide positions well. How do you think about, uh, feel about the tactical approach we took to the game? You know, I, I have a similar, you know, sort of feeling as yourself. I, I, I like the back three idea, but I've sort of thrown it away because the manager's thrown it away. So I've stopped beating myself up over it. Um, and never do that. It's, it's, it, you know what, Clive? You can always beat yourself up. Like never hesitate. Yeah. But then you got to think, well, how's he tweaked the uh, the back four formation? Uh, obviously, a lot of the team picks itself. He's got Jack into a role where he's more comfortable, where he can see the game in front of him, where he can switch to play from side to side. And if he if he wants to go for a little dance, he can. But he can. He seems to have found a, a bit more legs defensively. So um, Arsenal play a very European game anyway. So I didn't think they were going to be massively challenged in in the game physically in, in the central areas. So it's sort of worked out okay I think um, with with Jack and Ramsey what it, it sort of affects them in different ways 
I think when Ramsey's deeper, he sort of uses that space as a, a starting place to go and do what he likes. And sometimes Akali was exposed, obviously in a critical game for Wenger's career. He wasn't prepared to do that. But then sometimes he puts Ramsey in situations where he's receiving the ball in body shapes that he's not normally accustomed to. And I felt he was a little bit technically loose on some first touches. But then he'll have one good touch, one bad touch. And when he has a when he has a good touch, he ends up in the goalkeeper flying a full length save. And um, so yeah, he was very much hot and cold in the game. But when he was hot, he was hot. Jack was steady. Uh, if you're looking at him, you're thinking, okay, that that felt like as much as he could do in this company. But I thought what he did, he did, he did, you know, he did very well. And that's that's where he is right now physically. And I just felt the roles were correct. Uh, it's the best we could get from the from the pair of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with any of that. And I think, ultimately, the way the game played out, it's so hard to really evaluate if the tactics and lineup were spot on because we did wind up playing so much of the match with 10 men. But I think if you ignore how the match started, you do so you do a disservice to the team because I think even when it was 11 v 11, we were dominant. And there were a lot of good performances from that point and beyond that point. And we'll come to that. But before we do, let's talk about the uh, the sending off just really quickly. Each of those fouls is a yellow card for me. The first one softer than the second. I realize that referees are under pressure not to make themselves the focus of the game, but do you have any issue with that being a red card? I mean, for me, both of those challenges are, are warrant a yellow card. And the second one, he arguably has less latitude to not give a card than the first one, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it, it was a definite red card, but you know what? I, I watched the European Cup final once live in Paris where we had a red card against us and for the sake of the game, you wish the referee could have found another solution. I felt um, from a football fan's perspective watching that game, it became a, a non-game. And what happened when we started the game, we were really forceful. We had complete clarity of mind what we were doing. And it, the game had clear goals, right? So, but I think when it went to 10 men, what happens then? You, you, you sort of affect the mental unity of the group and, and the crowd. And what I mean by that is everybody changes their expectations when it goes to 10 men. Right, so some people say this is our chance we'll get two or three. Some people say I'm happy with a nil-nil, and you get a little bit of lack of clarity between the fans, the the team, and we pushed, we pushed forward. We were quite bright when the ten when it went down ten initially. Then we then we were quite steady, and we and we missed chances, but we missed them in the in the correct way. There wasn't like a a bad technique. It was just not quite clinical enough. You're looking at the, the shot selections. You think, okay, that's the right side of the foot. That's the right technique. That's good. Needs to be a bit more punchy. Need a bit of, bit of a break, maybe with deflection. Well, let, so let, I, let me interrogate that statement just a little bit more because I, I think that is the crux of this game. I mean, there were chances. There were lots of chances. And putting aside the ones where Oblak makes great saves, and he did make some great saves, there are misses. There are moments there. I mean, one that really comes to mind is where Lacazette is all alone. Welbeck finds him with that beautiful cross, and he volleys it, and he, he kind of misvolleys it um, wide. And he probably had the time to take it down, but also from that position, you think he can get it on frame. I mean, when you have a game like this where you have lots and lots and lots of chances, I mean, 28 shots, um, and granted, the keeper makes some great saves, but not all of them, can you just write that off as sort of one of those nights where it doesn't go for you or do you have to take responsibility and say the quality on the night was insufficient to get the result because 
I mean, the chances were there. We didn't take them. I mean, do you, do, you, do you absolve a team of responsibility for taking their chances when they're presented like that? It's, it's quite interesting. The ground, the guys I was with were quite scathing of Lacazette. And, um, and I was saying to him, look, you know, we've got to stay with him because he's, he's, he looks like he's going to score. And I, I feel sometimes, maybe I've got a slightly different view with, with football with my sort of coaching head. On. I, I always look at the intent. I look at the intent to play what people are trying to do. I will, I, do, I will say that I find that you knowing the game gives you a different perspective, and I, don't, I just don't connect with that. I, I prefer to get my opinion from people that don't know the game, but you know, give it a shot. Let's, let's just see. Well, I love I loved the finish that Lacazette tried, the bounce finish. Goalkeeper was dead in his feet. He just hit the post, right, and it just went wide. And then you think, well, what else could he have done? He could have thrashed at it, he could have gone over. Yeah. But I love the way he tried to control that. Um, a minute or so later, he gets in the front of his man and gets a header. Great save. I can't look at him and say, what else, what more could he do? Right? It's a good save, it's the right technique. So I, the, the one that concerned me the most, funny enough, was Jack's header and Koscielny's, um volley at the back stick. Yeah. I just felt they were the wrong choices the wrong decisions the wrong technique maybe falling to the wrong player and the sort of goal that you get you get a free goal you, was the Monreal chance that was one that maybe he scored that at the weekend against West Ham a similar type snapshot his finishing has been one. so so precise lately and yeah I totally agree I, I was thinking that to myself that that's one that I, I have expected him to put away yeah and, and the goalkeeper again dead in his feet no chance of getting that and they're the ones you need to go for sometimes the correct finish the perfect finish the goalkeeper can read and make a save but a, you know, a slightly you know, crooked shot off Monreal's wrong foot they're the ones that end up in the bottom corner right you, you jog off a half time one that up so um, I wasn't too despondent because I thought our intent to play was tremendous at 11 men it increased at, at 10 men it dropped down just before half time I thought Atletico were, were quite smart. I had a really good seat high up on the halfway line, and what they would, what they do, they've got they've got a great unity together. What they were doing is that they were pressing the lateral ball. So they waited, they waited, they waited, and when we wanted to go square, they would leap out. But it wasn't just one that would leap out. As soon as one leapt out, they leapt out as a unit. So the whole unit was tied together. And they really sort of made the crowd a bit edgy, made the team edgy. So we dropped in before halftime. And I thought they were incredibly unified and well-drilled. You know, they had 10 men, no manager, and they didn't skip a beat. They just knew what they were doing, how to play off mistakes. And Griezmann had a shot just for half time, and it could easily have been we could have easily been one nil down at half time. It was a, a great move, a great drive from what one of their better players I felt the, the right back. And um, basically, um, Griezmann had a great snapshot and was being a save, and he sort of took the breath away from the crowd and said, "Wow, they're still in this," and he sort of calmed us down. So we then we tried in nil nil half time. Yeah, it was a warning. I, by the way, I, I want to just backtrack for a second. I think there were some situations where maybe Lacazette could could do better with the finish, but overall I thought he played really, really well, and he did get the goal. He took it well. He rose highest. I thought he was strong. You know, it's funny. A lot of people have pointed out that this was a game where you say, man, if we only had Giroud, this, this tie could have been dead because certainly the way he dominates in the air and his quality heading balls, the way we were putting crosses in, I mean, it's easy to point out. It just so happens, look, we came up against an opponent who was vulnerable on the wings, who went down to 10 men, and we had a lot of crossing opportunities. You know, I, I don't think nine times out of 10 you would say 
that that case presents itself. But but yes, yeah. I I mean I think it, you can make the point that Giroud would have been very useful on the day. I mean. Shaka put in 10 crosses, Bellerin put in 7 crosses, Nacho Monreal put in 9 crosses, Ozil put in 5. I mean, sure, yeah, it it would have been a, a very helpful thing to have. I mean, on the whole, it's tough because we wound up having 76% possession. I mean, Granit Xhaka played 131 passes at 92%. I thought he was brilliant. I, I thought he kept us moving, kept it going forward, was progressive with his passing. 24 of 26 on long balls. So, you know, getting the ball forward accurately. The interesting yeah. thing is, you know, sometimes you can fool yourself into thinking you're playing better against a team like the way Athletic, uh, Athletic defended Clyde because it reminds me a little of how Burnley play. You know, and Burnley have used this technique to wind up at, you know, seventh in the Premier League with very, very little talent, which is they block a ton of shots. You know, they, yeah. they crowd the box so much so you feel like you're dominating them. But there's just no space to squeeze the ball into the net. You know, um, you wind up with a lot of shots that feel like half chances or block shots or chances that there's always a body in the way. And I felt yeah. that Atleti wound up playing a lot like that. Uh, they just had no attacking presence, but they were so clustered into the box and sort of saying, you know, if it's going to go in, you're going to have to ping it in off two or three of our guys because we, you know, we have it so well covered. And And despite that, you know, I thought we had really good chances, really clear good chance. I mean, Mesut Ozil with six key passes on the day, 97 passes at 90%. But, you know, the funny thing is there are so many players I, I, I want to go over the over the top on praising. I thought they were, I thought Bellerin was fantastic in this game. I thought Nacho Monreal played brilliantly in this game. Um, Jack Wilshire, I think saying he was brilliant is an overstatement because I thought he faded, which is understandable, but he was magnificent compared to what I expected. And of course he winds up with the assist for the goal. I want to focus on Danny Welbeck a little bit, though. This is a guy who just a few weeks ago, and this is the danger of drawing conclusions. I was ready to suggest that, like, you know, he he is the least competent player on two legs I have ever seen. Like, he was, he was playing such poor football technically, and he was fantastic in this game and has been fantastic lately. How impressed were you with him? Not just the usual Danny Welbeck stuff, not just the running and jumping, but dribbling guys, you know, beating guys off the dribble, really building moves and, and creating moves. He played in that cross to um, to Lacazette uh, brilliantly. He had five successful dribbles. I mean, this was a fairly complete performance from Welbeck. I mean, he did, he did of course, miss some chances, but overall, he was he was fairly impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, he's um, he's going to the World Cup. He's that multifunctional forward that uh, a manager loves. He can play, he can truly play left, right, or in the middle and he works and he gives you a 7 out of 10 when he's fit when he's not fit then his technique falls down like most players right so but I did sort of say you know he is a very good combination player and he does retain the ball really well and he's got a very good reaction when he loses the ball but I love how he sort of travels with it and he pops it off and then he and then he goes again and he just makes repeat sprint repeat sprint and he works his defences, and he's the sort of player that could be very, very important over there. And I'm, I'm sorry, I hope he's rested up on Sunday. I know he probably wants to play at Old Trafford, but this game is is more important. Yeah, we'll so, spend uh, a minute discussing that. Certainly. Yeah, yeah he. I, I like his presence. I love players that run through lines. We have a very passy passy team. Everyone wants to come to the ball. Lacazette combines. He's he's. Well, I'm sure we're going to talk about him, but he combines. He's not. He's not overly 
works hard down the channels but he surprises you down the channels where Danny Welbeck always runs through people and that's what you you need that penetration and without him I think we'd be very uh, sterile and I thought he was he was great on that much like you I thought I always judge players on on big days on the biggest moments versus the best opponent and because then you see the level of the player and um, you know maybe a, a couple of players that have been criticising Bellerin and Shaka as you noted I just thought they were tremendous. I, I thought they were excellent at all facets of the game. And, um, Bellerin read so. the game brilliantly, too. There were so many moments where they had out balls that he was able to step in and intercept and get get in the way and you know collect possession for us high up the pitch and, and start moves again. And it wasn't just him overlapping. I thought he read the game brilliantly. Yeah, he was varied. So he was he would do his normal waiting for Ozil to come over. He would do combination. He would run deep. He would stop, and then he would stop and start, and he'll take a man on a dribble. I mean, the benefit of the playing against ten men meant that we had good exits out of our out of our end. They didn't change. They didn't change anything in the back eight as such. They took a forward out, which meant we couldn't be pressed so high, which meant we had good exit plans. We can get into wide areas early, combine, and then be patient and then push them back. So, And Bellerin played inside. We had to be very brave on the right-hand side. He was really high. And uh, it put Mustafi under a bit of pressure defensively, but not much because they didn't really... They stopped trying to score after a period of time. So um, so we maybe that sucked us into it. I'm sure we'll get on to later on. But, but Shaka, when you're watching Shaka in the ground, and I, again, I, I've not been a massive critic of him because I think he's one of those 25-year-olds I keep talking about. And I look at his contract length. I look at what he does. And he is a true playmaker. And you can see his quality in the game where he's under less pressure. His pace of pass and accuracy of pass is just unbelievable. You can hear it in the ground where he strikes the ball. And players, are, you know, they're just not even trying to cut it out anymore because it's just so precise. And when you buzz a ball, you heard me sort of say, sometimes a pass has a message on it. And his passes are just saying, go on then, use that. You've got a pace, you can have a good touch, you can turn up around the corner. It gives the player who's receiving it an opportunity to do so much more. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a huge fan of his, and I know he's a bit spiky. I know he may not be the athlete that Kante is, but he's a very good player. And if we can get the right sort of people around him, uh, I think we've got a good player for many years to come. Yeah, I, I definitely think if there if there's an athletic, mobile player alongside him, and we find a way to maybe move Ramsey up a little or play him in a three, get Ozil into a more forward position, you really might see the best from from Shaq and. It, look, credit to him, Clyde, because there were times... I mean, the the outrageous thing is there were times this season he was passing in the 60s and 70s, and you can't have that yeah. from your most active you know, hub of midfield. But 131 passes at over 90%. I mean, he really has he really has gotten that, that accuracy and that focus on his passing back. The, the thing that's so difficult about this game, you know, people will say... Atleti almost prefer to play with 10 men, that it suits them, that they it gives them that task, focus on being defensive, focus on being organized. I don't know that I buy that because I think they can quite clearly defend with 11, but what it did is it killed their outlet. They really had no relief from the pressure for most of the game. Yeah. And the irony, the sad irony of when they got the goal is they had taken all their strikers off. They had taken all their attackers off. They, they had left only Griezmann on. You know, up front, and they were and they were about they're to take getting him. ready to take him off. I know, so they they were basically at the point of the game where they were like, "Let's get out of here with a one nil." And this game reminded me, in some ways, 
of Liverpool Roma, where yep. you know Liverpool get the five and then Roma get the two to kind of blunt their their exuberance on the night. It felt like that. We just didn't get the five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we, we had the dominance. We had the chances. We got ahead. The night was going better than I think any of us could have dreamed. And the sad thing about this is, look, I told you on the podcast I would have taken nil-nil going into this game. Maybe we were a little guilty of thinking one-nil wasn't good enough under the circumstances. And I can sort of understand that. But I, I do want to talk about their goal for a minute. I mean... I want you to walk me through who gets the blame, how they get the blame. I mean, we're going to get on to Koscielny, but Nacho Monreal had been bombing forward all night. I'm sure he was exhausted. I mean, you know, he's he's an older gentleman at this point. But, I mean, he he is not catching nearly enough hell, in my opinion, for playing Griezmann on side when there's no reason. Why is he standing that deep in that situation? He can look right down the line and see where Griezmann is. He should not. He should not be standing there. there. There's no. There's no player that's pushing him back that deep. Why is he in that position? Yeah, uh, he got a little knock beforehand actually, and he was a little bit slow getting up. Right, mm-hmm. but so let me just talk you through it as I see it. It's not. It's not a difficult goal to, to analyze. To be honest, so Griezmann has snuck in goal side of Koscielny, mistake one. Right, Koscielny's got to check his shoulders left and right. He needs to be the back man. And he needs to make sure that he's deep enough, right? So he wasn't. He just he's walked up, got attracted. Danny Welbeck has run down. He's running down the line, and I and I always say to my players, I always say, when you're running down the line, you've got people shouting inside, you've got crowds of players inside. The the phrase I always use: the touchline is your friend, right? Go to the touchline, go to the side where they don't want you to go. They want you to run inside into the crowd. So Danny runs inside into the crowd, get half fouled, didn't get it. They immediately have an opportunity to spring. So they're now playing the pass with no pressure on the ball. No pressure on the ball, Koscielny should be dropping. He's just thinking, okay, let's see what you got. Well, they put the pass in and they've got Griezmann. Griezmann sets off, Koscielny catches him. Right, so Monreal didn't play didn't you know obviously played him on side Mustafi's too far away he's disconnected he's thinking about covering the space along the along the width of the defence I wouldn't criticise that so much because we had lots of nice play into wide areas and Mustafi's part of that so we had three against one it was just Koscielny's position and Monreal's position that was incorrect so Koscielny then runs back now this is where you got to think okay this is the moment of the game they've not had a shot in the second half I've got to win this race which he does he wins the race he wins it just and then he's got to make a decision uh, I actually don't care what he does he could actually kick the ball straight up in the air before all I cared yeah there's no, one, there's no one for 70 yards <laughs> there's no one around just kick it up in the air straight up in the air get it away it might look ugly on the TV screen but don't worry about that they're not going to get another chance, and then, and he tries a little flick. It hits, I think it hits Griezmann in the face, and then um, I think he, he hits himself the in the face. Yeah, yeah, it's he tries a little side foot, and then you can see the panic setting in. You can see it engulfing the team. Koscielny freezes, thinking, "Oh my god, I've cost a moment." Ospina makes a half save and you can see Mustafa recovering because he was so far away. He's overextending to recover. And he was very unfortunate. I think um, he slips and he hits his knee and goes to the roof of the net. And you just think, only, only Arsenal could let that happen. It's just a freeze moment of lack of concentration. And we got 
absolutely maximised punished for it and um, against a team who even stopped trying to score they were happy with the 1-0 and I know it sounds this is what I talk about the lack of clarity in the ground we got feverish fans thinking this is our chance to go to the final keep pushing on move it quicker move it quicker driving the team forward and, I, and I'm sitting there thinking you know what they want a 1-0 maybe we should take a 1-0 Right and um and we just kept going, kept going. I don't think we were we over you know overextended, and left us open. But you can't have yourself in a situation where you're one on one. It just can't happen. How, how can one- you? I mean, you can't blame the approach. And I don't mean you. I'm just saying anyone. Mm. You can't say we were approaching that part of the game wrong because at, at when it when push comes to shove, one Antoine Griezmann against your entire back four shouldn't be panic stations. It shouldn't be a problem. I mean, all season long, we have been vulnerable to a random long kick up the pitch where one guy against our whole defense winds up scoring like that. To me, this was a microcosm of our season. But, but, but Clive, like, I don't have a problem with us pushing for a goal if all we're risking is leaving Griezmann on his own with, yeah I mean that shouldn't there shouldn't be a problem with that <laughs> it's all about where you stand but let's you know let's bring it back a little bit you know because has been a, a player that's been an unbelievable bite for the club um, he's been the one set and a half that's managed to uh, survive the Wenger lack of structure in midfield and actually look, do, look like a good player he's just hitting a wall physically and um, he's obviously he's a once a week player now but if you look at him closely, he's dropping a touch of pace, but he can, he's still sharp enough. But I look at him, and I look at his, he's dropping in power. He's, he's starting to lose a little bit of confidence in his, in his own physicality. And I felt he was panicked against a player who he knew well, maybe didn't feel confident against, and he just didn't look himself. But then I looked at the game again today, and, he, and again, he was hot and cold in the game. He did some good things, did some things that are quite average in a game when we weren't really tested defensively. And um, I don't want to write him off, but everyone keeps looking at Mustafi as the as the problem child, which he, which in my opinion, he's maybe not the player that we needed. But he's in better physical shape than Koscielny is right now. He has physical limits, which Koscielny can still just about... You know, he's quicker and he's, he's sharpening the challenge of Mustafi, but Mustafi plays every week, much like Shaka. And the best ability of an athlete is durability, and, and Koscielny is just not durable at the moment. And, um, and it's, a real, it's a real shame. And it goes back to, you know, this, we spoke about Wenger a lot last week, but one of Wenger's early strengths in his early reign, the first sort of half of his reign, was recognising the exact moment to sell players. You know, we'd always, we'd, we didn't always like it, we always felt it was a year too soon and about six months later they would collapse now they're collapsing on our books right and on our high on our high wages and um i think there was a there was a sniff of um Kishelny going to marseille last year and he may end up there next year and i hope for his achilles and ankles he ends up in the south of france we can get some heat on them because um i think the premiership may just catch him out next year yeah maybe i, I mean i will say this about kashelny there the thing that really frustrates me and it doesn't have a whiff of the birmingham city carling cup final to you just it, yeah. it's a little unfortunate but it feels like there's one too many examples of kashelny really fucking up in a big spot and i, I hate that for him um but you think elliot sometimes when you look at him don't you think you can see when he's on it and you can see when he's not. He sort of carries a level of uh, insecurity when he's not quite on his game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, it's hard to say he had so little defending to do on the night. You know what I mean? So it's it's very, very difficult to evaluate the performance. I, I will say this. In that situation, you know what bothers me, Clive? All right, you're not getting beaten for pace there. You've caught up with him. You've got a foot on this guy. He's a tiny little human being. I want him to wind up on the floor. No matter how you choose to defend that moment, even if you foul, Griezmann should end up on the floor. Like yeah, yeah, th- yeah. that... You know, a big central defender against Griezmann, one-on-one. You know what it reminded me a little of? Remember when Coughlin bounced off Hazard's ass? Remember that? And you're like, all right, Francis, you're supposed to be this big, tough defender, you know, defensive, athletic defensive midfielder, and you just got bodied big time by by Hazard. Like, Koscielny cannot get out-muscled there. And I realize he gets unlucky with kicking it off his face. I mean, he hooks it clear. It should be clear. It goes off his face. But, like, Griezmann should be on the floor. You should be doing every every trick in the central defender handbook. You're an experienced bigger... Like, elbows, knees, hips. You should be doing everything so that whatever your reaction is, Griezmann has been put on the ground. Because in the worst case... Yeah, he did panic. But, like, but your physicality is your friend there. You know what I mean? Like, I think about all the years that Drogba tormented our central defense. We have had physically weak central defenders for years, and they failed to use their physicality to clean up situations, whether it was Vermalen or Koscielny or it's Mustafi. I mean, Murtisacker maybe is a little different, although he was never structurally a big, strong defender physically. But, like, we have had these defenders who don't want to impose themselves physically on opposing strikers. They don't make strikers scared to come at them. They don't make strikers... They don't put that fear in strikers that if you come into this zone, you're in trouble. You do not want to tangle with me for 90 minutes or you're going to be in trouble. And I, I just think that that for Koscielny not to physically dominate that duel is the problem. Like that that should have been a situation where whatever happened, Griezmann's on the floor not wanting to make another run with Lauren Koscielny and that just didn't happen. Yeah, it's, all, it's risk management, right? So you're running back towards your own goal. And can you imagine Sergio Ramos in that situation? A similar type. Uh, he he, he pulled Griezmann's hair out or something. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. he'd, he'd, he'd do something he dirty. Would, he, would, <laughs> well, he would head the ball down across the path of, of Griezmann and he'd pretend he was fouled. Yeah. Right? And he would get the foul. It's that lack of street wiseness and just taking the, the risky option and trying to flick it over the air. Yeah. yeah. you just got to be more street wise and. And I and Koscielny was crushed. He was crushed in the ground at the time, and he was quite crushed at the end of the game. But he's not a kid anymore, right? He's, he's 32 years of age. He's probably going to the World Cup. This is the moment you get paid for. You're the Arsenal captain. You've got to do that job. And and it's a shame. It's, it, we sort we sort of derailed on a night when the team had a wonderful attitude, a wonderful presence, patience, rotation, excellent chance creation. We snapped into challenges. We dropped him when we needed to. There was not a lot wrong there, apart from a lack of consciousness yeah. and luck in the in the box. I'm not going to sit here and, and kill any players, in particular, because I, I thought they turned up and said we're going to put on a performance for Arsenal Football Club, and it just didn't quite work out. The similar feeling I had, funny enough, was the Manchester United game. I thought we were excellent in that game, in the home game. We weren't quite ruthless enough. So can I take issue with that for a minute? Oh, sorry, to finish your thought. Well, because I was just going to say, I've seen that put forward by other people. And my argument there is, score effects impacted that game. They scored early and then sat off us. Now, don't get me wrong. We dominated them 
we should have won, we created chances, but you lose the right to say, to, to brag about your chances when the other team yeah. is defending a lead. I think this was actually better than that game because they didn't score and then sit back. We pushed them yeah. back. And even with 11 men early in the game, we had them on their heels. So I, I'd argue this was better. We did everything right. We pushed them back. We kept them under pressure. They created no chances. And we did score first. So, you know, this is, to me, just a little a little bit nuanced difference from that game in the sense that in that game, we did something wrong early. And that led to us playing well subsequently. This game, we did everything right until the last yeah. 10 minutes. And by the way, yeah, you, you know, so here's my thing. Look, after the game, emotion, I, I was emotionally pretty fraught about this. And on Twitter, I, I, I lost it a little bit. But my my real per- belief is we were flawless. We were absolutely flawless. We were brilliant. We played brilliantly. We deserve criticism for not taking our chances. But even there, I think it'd be harsh to say that, you know, O'Black made a few great saves. Some of the chances weren't clear cut. We played brilliantly. We dominated a good team, a team that's better than us right now where we stand. We dominated them. We created all the chances. We had the lead. We were in a position to go to the second leg at a minimum as favorites with that one nil. Lauren Koscielny, and look, you can blame Monreal for where he's standing, and you should. I think you can blame Mustafi a tiny bit, and people will scream agenda, but if you watch the replay, he thinks Koscielny has it handled, and he starts walking. Yeah, he's lazy. If he doesn't, If he doesn't walk, if he runs the whole time, he's back in position. He doesn't have to try to, you know, scurry across the goal, and, and he may be in position. Ospina probably could come out just that little bit stronger, but really it is it is a single Laurent Koscielny error that undoes a brilliant, breathtaking, overwhelmingly dominant performance. And that's where the heartbreak comes from because it is a performance I, I didn't expect. It is a supremely encouraging performance. But now you look at a 1-1 and you say, we go to a place where they haven't conceded a goal in like 10 or 11 straight games in the league. They've conceded, what, four in the league and five in Europe, nine all season long. We have to score to get through. I think it it is a shame. And I also think from a belief standpoint, having dominated them for 90 minutes and won 1-0, I think there'd be tremendous belief. I worry about the belief and the heads dropping and things like that in the second leg. So, I mean, let's let's start to train. Oh, one more thing I want to get to in this game. Yeah, yeah, come back, come back. Absolutely. I was going to say, can I talk a bit about the dominance, right? And so... I was looking really closely at the at that dominance and where it was happening and how it was happening. And um, I, I often talk about our lack of mobility. Sometimes, you know, I didn't feel that in this game. I know we had a lot of the ball, but when we had to sprint to challenges, I didn't see a, a huge pace differential. I didn't see a young, fresh Atletico team. I saw a well-drilled, streetwise team. I didn't see like a Man City who out-sprinted us and outran us and had pace in wide areas and positionally excellent. I didn't see that. I know people are really, I think people are overreacting slightly to how good Atletico are. I see Arsenal having a real chance against them. And the one thing that we did that not many other teams have done is create chances. We created an 11, we created a 10, and they were all different types of creation very imaginative around the edgy area and we were very patient and I see us having a chance if we have you know the right players on the pitch I I really do feel that and I'm not just saying it as I'm coming over my hangover recovery (laughs) I, I, I felt it at the time I said it last night anyone I spoke to in the in the Tollington afterwards I, I was 
hugely positive. That's what I meant about the Man United game. Even though we lost, I walked away with positivity about that game, and I walked away with positivity about this game. When I saw the goal clearly on TV, that positivity reduced somewhat. It just felt it felt a bit stupid and it felt a bit schoolboy, but it is what it is. Um, we managed to snatch a draw from the jaws of victory. But um, I don't see a major step in class I really don't if we can apply ourselves and we get a bit more from some of our maybe our superstar player get a bit more from him and let's see what we got yeah that's fair I mean for the XG lovers out there 3.71 to 0.89 most of the 0.89 came from the goal they scored they were sitting at 0 until about the 36th minute Um, it, it really is a sucker punch and I mean 67 touches in the box to 10 for Atletico I think I read something ridiculous from Orbino. And by the way, those stats come from Scott, uh, who is not available today. He's, he's away with his family. But I, I read a stat from Orbino. something like 120 passes in their uh, completed passes in their final third to 15, something like that. I mean, just total dominance in every statistical respect. And it, I think it would be churlish. It, look, it's easy to be frustrated with Wenger after the past few seasons we've had with him. And... You know, it's easy to be frustrated with some of these players after what we've seen them do in big moments. I just think it is more agenda than it is analysis to suggest that they choked, that they were bad, that they blew it. I think we dominated a game against great opposition. We outplayed that team in every phase of the game. And Lauren Koscielny, maybe with a little help from Nacho Monreal, made one killer mistake against one of the best attacking players in the world, and, and he paid for it. And it's a real shame. Yep. And so, I mean, it, it does leave us now with situation. I, I did want to get to one other thing, though, Clive, before we look forward. And that is the fact that we made no subs. You know, I have to admit, in real time watching the game before they scored, I was like, I hope he doesn't make any subs. The bench was so threadbare. The only yep. argument was maybe for Alex Awobi. Um, But I felt everyone he would have come in for was playing well enough. Um, that I don't know that I wanted to change, but I think the weakness of the bench really did wind up costing us because maybe if we're being honest, in hindsight now, we could see that the level and the energy had dropped a little bit and we could have used an infusion of energy. I mean, maybe if Iwobi comes on for Welbeck, uh, who had run himself into the ground, he doesn't lose the ball in that situation that Danny does that leads to the goal. I mean, maybe Wilshire, who who's really did seem to be slowing down, could have come off for Iwobi. But do you think Wenger... Uh, Wenger deserves criticism for not making a sub and is there one that you would have or a couple that you would have preferred to have seen yeah Wobi could have come on for Jack quite easily I felt Ramsey was um, he was getting crowded out he was running into good areas but he's running into bodies you know so uh, when he arrives he arrives in space so um, he could have dropped deeper and Wobi could have dribbled a bit more a bit more of a dribbling um, skill Um, I I looked at it and I, I, I keep talking about this is this is the issue in the game what were we trying to achieve so it felt like we were trying to get the second goal while not thinking about the back door and i just felt there was a disconnect between what the crowd were looking for and what the team was trying to do i think you know i saw a clear clarity funny enough with athletico substitutions how they rotated their forwards and then i thought they did really really well they slowed the game down really well i thought they managed the game as well as they possibly could do and actually got more than they expected and i just felt we just let the game happen to us 
we didn't decide. So we didn't really freshen up our forwards, you know, and say we, we're trying to score. We didn't really try to solidify in midfield and freshen up there. Obviously, at the back, we didn't need to do anything there because there weren't any pressure. So sometimes your substitutes send a message what your game plan is. And by not doing one, I think we just sort of lacked a bit of clarity and got comfortable and got lazy. And we got picked up. And, but I don't want to be too critical because it was very unfortunate and, and just not deserved. Just not deserved at all. They weren't playing for it. There wasn't a building pressure. It was literally a dispossession and a big kick forward. But it comes back to what you're saying earlier, right? Let's be honest. We just lack those dual experts that we used to have. You know, can, you know. I don't like. I know I'm a middle-aged man, right? But I don't like looking back too much. But yeah, I want to see Griezmann score against Sol Campbell and Color Torre. It's just not going to happen, is it? Or, or, or Tony Adams. I mean, yeah. you know, Tony. He 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 would have a broken nose from a Tony Adams elbow in that situation, and foul or not, it wouldn't have been a goal. You know, it's just about speed and dominance. Right? You just look back and you just look back and think, well, they're just not going to win that race. They don't even bother trying. Right? So um, we need some of those people in our defence when you look up they give you a sense of comfort it's not a criticism of the players that we have it's just obvious you know and even the ones in behind they don't give you that feeling of comfort they don't give you that feeling they can win the races and um, that's a fundamental of football you know and um, when you have those players watching Real Madrid versus um, Bayern Munich this week and I sort of you're looking at Varane just runs like he's on the motorbike. You know, you're looking at Boateng. I know he got injured, but look at their look at their size. Look at their dominance. Look how they pass, use the ball. Look how they clear headers in their own six-yard box. They're just wonderful defenders that you can build your team around. They're totem poles. They have all the physical attributes, and we don't have that player at the moment. And and we need that player to build around and gives it gives so much security and confidence to the rest of the team and, and that's where our investment should be. And Liverpool just bought one at seventy five million. So these these players are not out there on trees. So Arsenal have tried to build those players. But I think they've chosen incorrectly. You know, they've they've chosen the wrong type of athletes, the wrong type of body types. They they haven't scouted these players correctly and between Mustafi Holding Chambers and Koscielny we've got one on the last legs in Chambers I think the boy needs to go and play somewhere now he's ready to go Holding I think has got a chance but he needs to go on loan and we need to have two central defenders coming to the club that give us that feeling of comfort your eyes don't lie we all know what we're seeing I'm not being smart here um, we just need to invest in that area and I think uh, we get a lot of confidence in the rest of the team yeah yeah well it's a problem for the next manager the problem for this manager now is getting us to the final how do you approach the second leg what do you expect from it well actually again this is Arsenal Football Club right so let me tell you something now I am aware uh, let me say something. <laughs> for those people that know the club, they know if we were two 0 up, I guarantee you'd be two two by half time. It's just the way we're built, the way our mentality is. You gotta, you gotta give Arsenal a job to do. You gotta get their minds right. Their minds were right last night, and fine enough to, to ten men distorted our minds. I wish it stayed at eleven. I think we'd have won the game. We were better than them. We were, we were going to win that game. And um, and and I think we need that job to do. It would be nice if it had been a two-one rather than a than, than a one-one. But um, you gotta Arsenal have to have a job 
to keep our concentration and we've got that job and, and I do think we'll score I think it'd be one-one out there, and I see it going to penalties. I don't see it being more than that. They oh, are not good, high great, scores. great, because because I'll be able to tolerate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good value for money, right? That'd for the great. people traveling get, out there, get my heart medication um, ready. <laughs> yeah, get the old inhaler out for that one, right? So, uh, do, do you really so, yeah. do, do you really want O Black versus Espina in a penalty penalty shootout? Yeah. I will, Black was good, you know. He he was good. But I, I I I'm not. I don't I don't worry about their player. I was I was looking at players like Koke and um, and Gabby and those players in seven field, and I'm thinking, yeah, you're all right. But you know, I didn't see much there. I, I really didn't. I thought um, it took me a while to spot Griezmann. It really it really did. Um, I, I thought um, Godin was good. I thought he was he was very good. But, um, and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't overly impressed with them actually. So um, I know Espina thought, didn't have anything to do in the in the in the first leg. Do you uh, do you have any thoughts about wanting Czech to come back to the second leg? I mean, it's it's impossible to evaluate his his performance in that game. I, I thought his distribution was good. The one thing I will say is for a game where we wound up dominating possession, and the only thing the keeper really had to do was pass the ball. It was probably better that we had Ospina in in net, and I thought he he did a nice job distributing. Yeah, I thought um, he was very. He's very. He's a European goalkeeper. He, he, he suits the European game, where there's not too many crosses coming under his crossbar. You know, there's his shots, and it's all about how quick you are off your line and how decisive you are decision making. And and he's a good shot stopper. And I did sort of think that you know they would be better on set pieces, particularly at home. And it's potential for Czech to play to manage crosses in the box. And we'll see what he does there. They've got some tall players. You know, Jimenez is a good player. I thought he was good. And, and that number five, I just got his name now, Party, who was starting in centre midfield, went to right back when he had to send it off. And I thought he was... That was almost a bad move because he was exactly the type of body that Welbeck did not want to play against. And I think he would have killed the guy that got sent off. And... Um, Sacco, whatever his name is, he would have he would have killed him, and um, so yeah, I think the sending off didn't help us. It really didn't, you know. So um, I mean, to be fair, we but, still dominated from that point. It's not like we struggled after that, you know. That I mean, I yeah. thought we had some low moments, and and maybe I was being a little unfair to Ospina just then. By the way, he did make one really crucial save that I'm I'm sort of spacing on what it was, but he made a great save. I mean, we, would you just approach the the second leg the exact same way? Yeah, I would. I think we will have moments when we are going to be on top and we're going to have moments we're going to have to dig in and it's all about being efficient in both boxes when we get our chance we have to score and when we we're going to have to get a bit of a break with them because they will have cost about by then I'm sure they will but again he's a known quantity I think we'll be fine with him um, but I just feel we've got to be more efficient and I I think we'll have Mkhitaryan back and I think that'll be interesting to see what we do there I, I, if I was picking a team I'd pick exactly the same team but I would swap out Mkhitaryan for for Jack and I would I, you know, I think Aaron Ramsey's got I would love to see Aaron Ramsey play a more deeper role uh, I would love to see him enjoy that deeper role and really dominate in the field he has the attributes to do it he's very metronomic he goes from side to side he he works really hard I thought he worked hard yesterday I think if you do a YouTube of Ramsey all of his main skill sets will all be around the D They'll, and he, and he, but I'd much rather see those skill sets around the centre circle I think he could do a lot more there than he's given credit for but he's just a player that also can score goals so we tend to push him forward and that can put us at risk but yeah I, that's a change I would make I think the threat of another dribbler 
someone who can break the lines but really have an end product and shoot in Mkhitaryan I think that could be a real benefit Mkhitaryan works hard defensively and him and Jack could maybe share the game through fitness issues for example so um, he's not going to go three at the back mate even though they're going to give us wide areas I think it yeah, I don't think he's going to do it. I think Colosinic now hasn't played for a while, so let's see. I just don't see him putting him into no, that game. So, um, no, I agree with that. So, so I think it'd be the one change, and he'll put out the team to save his life, right? To save his legacy, end of his, his Arsenal career, and that's the way I see it going. Yeah, and, and you know, to me, I think this is where I'm really glad the away leg is second. Can you imagine dominating for 90 minutes like we did against 10 men or 80 minutes and that sucker punch on the 80th minute knocks you out of the competition? I mean, that's the fear. The, the good thing about playing this away leg second is you can say, just go attack them. Just go create chances. Just go try to score goals because their goals don't hurt you that much. You know you have to score to get through, right? So if you get to 1-0... The onus is on them to score. Doesn't you, right? If they score a goal, it doesn't change anything. I mean, so yeah. you can have a go at them and know if they score first, they're still vulnerable. And if you do manage to score first, suddenly they're in a really tough spot because if they come at you with all their might to get it back level, you get a second goal and they need three to go through. So, you know, I, I, I would go out there and try to attack them actually and say, let's, you know, let's get our fullbacks forward. Let's let's go. Let's get those guys in a position to to cross the ball and try to score some goals and and put them under pressure that way because I think if you sit and try to counter Atleti are are cagey enough that they can just manage the game to a nil-nil. I I don't think you want to give them that option to to have the the impetus. The impetus is on us and that's a byproduct of the result which maybe isn't the worst thing. I mean maybe going there defending a 1-0 might not have suited us. So you know, we'll just have to see how it, how it plays out. As far as Sunday against Manchester United, look, beating Jose would be great. Winning at Old Trafford would be great. Beating Manchester United would be great. I could not care less about this game. It means absolutely nothing for us. It means absolutely nothing for them. There is nothing on the line here. Wenger is retiring, so it does not matter whether Jose loves him or hates him. That you know, Jose's already trying to walk back some of his nasty comments he's made over his career. It takes all the heat out of the rivalry, in my opinion. Is there any reason to play anyone who's going to play on Sunday at Old Trafford? Well, if you look at our bench, he, was, he wasn't that strong, actually. wasn't strong. It was got, a disaster. <laughs> yeah, got, I think we've got no Mkhitaryan, no El Nenny and Noah Bamiyang, right? So, so El Nenny's done for the year. So you bring up Mkhitaryan and Bamiyang in. You you're gonna you're gonna bring stuff. Mkhitaryan in for this game on Sunday? Yeah, he needs really? to play. He needs why, to play. Why not bring him in on sixty minutes and give him thirty minutes to just get warm? Yeah, or he may get the first hour or the last half hour, right? Yeah. So it depends what the major does. But he's, he certainly needs to play. He, he trained last week on his own. So hopefully he's back training with the group and he should be out there. I think I think it'd be important for him. Abamyang, I'd like to see you know some of the younger ones play. I mean, we all know the names, um, but then you know we, we're going to have to play potentially you know someone like a Shaka or Mustafi to give us some seniority out there. I think it's very important that we don't get hammered. Uh, we don't want to carry that in that luggage into into Spain. We don't want to carry that, and, and I think it is important that we don't get humiliated. I didn't go to his game, but I'm sure Tim did. But the Fingers thousandth game at Chelsea, the six nil, 
you know, I don't want that for him. I don't want the last time he goes to Old Trafford that it's a it's a big result. Uh, I don't think he deserves that, and he did deserve his night last night. It didn't quite happen, but maybe it'll happen on Thursday. And I and I am really hopeful. I am still hopeful that we're gonna we're gonna surprise the world. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 hopeful. I wasn't. I mean, I said the tie is over when Griezmann scored. Uh, that was emotion talking. I think I realize that's not the case. It is a massive uphill battle. I don't care what happens Sunday. People are like, oh, what if it's another 8-2? So, so what? What do they do? Fold the, fold the club? Like, so, genuine question. Like, what if it's 10-0? Like, who, who cares? Then, then, then they're like, what? I don't give a shit. I, re- I genuinely don't give a shit. Like, we've lost 6-0 to, to Chelsea. We've lost 5-1 to Liverpool. We've lost 8-2 to Manchester United. In games that actually mattered, when there were still things to play for. I'm sorry, but... Yes, it would suck to lose ten nil at Old Trafford. If we if we beat Atleti on Thursday, no one will care and no one will question it. And by the way, Jose Mourinho himself chucked the league entirely last season to try to go win yeah. the the Europa And he league. came to our place and he lost one nil, respectable one nil, and clapped his way off the pitch because he knew he had bigger targets, right? And that's what we've got to do. Maybe this is the game where we do play the back three. Um, to give us some solidity and, and just keep a, a simple formation, you know. And um, I would like to see them do something like that, and also give some, you know, holding in chambers, give them something, you know, a bit more security of no of another centre half there. But yeah, I, I, it does mean something to to me, mate. I gotta say, too many Man United fans around, all us Arsenal fans, we can't have them thrashing us. But you're absolutely right. In the cold light of day, if we go to Madrid and go to the wonder and do our job there no one's going to remember it so yeah yeah I mean I'm not I'm not one of these people that thinks you cannot allow yourself to suffer a humiliation if it's you know a, a humiliation that ultimately allows you to create a great victory in a game that matters I mean you know you've heard of Pyrrhic victory right the concept of Pyrrhic victory like getting a 1-1 on Sunday so we don't lose face but burning out players we need for Thursday and then crashing out Thursday I don't think anyone's going to go well but at least we got that draw at Old Trafford like who cares yeah and- you're, you're probably right but you know there's a couple of players there that need minutes I mean Ozil didn't really you know he's just back from another illness right so um, and he was in and out in that game another one was a bit hot and cold do you know he's played so- like I think he's played the most Premier League minutes of anyone in our team this season though like so I, you know I think we we think that you know he plays less than he does. I think um, Shaka would be the main man. I don't think he's missed maybe, a single minute. Yeah, maybe Shaka. But, but I mean, Ozil's right up there in terms of minutes played. I, I guess here's the thing. I, I realize that Orbino on Twitter said to me, what about getting you know these players sharp? But like, it's the business end of the season. You've played 60 games this season. You know, these guys, right now, I lean much more towards freshness than I do yeah. towards sharpness. And And my argument would be, it's going to be a cauldron on Thursday. Nerves can make you feel worn out quicker. You want to be sure that whether it's Danny Welbeck or Mkhitaryan or Ozil, that they can make that last surging burst in the 89th minute if they need to on Thursday. And if you try to play them into form on Sunday, but that costs them that, that surge, I just I don't think the, the, the cost benefit is too greatly tilted towards cost, I think. So I'd be inclined to rest everybody. Obviously, you play Aubameyang. If you want to give Mkhitaryan an hour... I guess I I can understand that, um, you know, and it's then everybody there, else like is rotated. Can, yeah, people can share games, right? So Mkhitaryan and the Welbeck can share the game. You know, um, a bad man can play the whole game. Um, a Wobi, a Wobi obviously gets a start. 
Yeah, but we won't be get to start. Potentially, you know, Jack hasn't played a lot of minutes. He can get uh, maybe a, a bit of time with Ozil. They can share the game. I would put Ramsey away. You know, Ramsey struggles with um, multiple games in a week. So I would leave him at home on the city. And I would do the same with Koscielny. And they're the only two that I would say, well, I don't want to see you even, even in a tracksuit. There's just no point. And, uh, and I think we'll have enough to put out a decent Arsenal performance. Um, Manchester United are quite a, uh, a durable you know, moment-to-moment team. There's not a lot of spectacular play within their team. But if you give them wide spaces and give them momentum, then they can hurt you, right? So no doubt players like Rashford and Martial will be unleashed on us. If I was Jose, I would I would hit us with speed. I wouldn't play, you know, some of the slower players. Quiet, quiet. He could be listening. Come on. Yeah, I'd hit, I'd hit us it. with speed. And I'll, because, you know, we're... We've got speed in wide areas, but you know, I would I would hit us. You know, I'd hit. I'd definitely play Rashford against us, for example. You know, I would do that if I was him. But hey, I don't want to give him my tricks. Man. Well, so, let's uh, put it this way: I, I wouldn't have Ramsey, Shaka, Ozil, Lacazette, even in Manchester. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even let them go to Manchester. I'd set up a blockade. I would put out those tire things that, like, you know, the spikes, the road spikes that spike your tire. Yeah, block them off. Like, I would not allow them to go to Manchester. None of those guys can go to Manchester. And Koscielny obviously um, can't go. I mean, you say, well, do we even want him in, a, in, in Madrid? But I don't think we have a choice. So, all right, well, give me, uh, give me your quick prognosis for Sunday. Do you think it's going to be a heavy, humiliating defeat? No, I think it might be a couple of goals, and um, I think it might be a couple of goals defeat. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the youngsters, you know, if Nelson and Maitland Niles play, I'm looking forward to see what they do. I really am. To have, you know, just watched the youth team tonight run out of legs and got beat three one. But I'm really looking forward to see how they do at the at the first team level. And I think there's a couple of players there ready to be ready for next summer. So um, so yeah, I two goals that'll be fine by me, as long as it's not a humiliation. And then um, we move on to Madrid. It's an interesting problem for Wenger because his legacy now, I mean, his legacy is set, but his his ultimate legacy here of leaving the club with a European trophy and back in the Champions League, it's got to mean the world to him. Can he set aside his ego and his rivalry with Mourinho enough to really recognize that he cannot do anything to jeopardize our chance on Thursday, uh, whatever chance we have. We'll see. Uh, in any event, we'll come back with a pod after the uh, game at Old Trafford. Dismiss it five minutes into the podcast and talk exclusively about the game coming up on Thursday. Thank you for tolerating my terrible, terrible sound quality. As mentioned, I am uh, in a remote location, bunkered down, recovering from the emotional outburst uh, I produced on Twitter following a disappointing night at the Emirates, but one that does leave the tie still alive. Uh uh, Clive's on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Clive, thank you for, as always, being the dependable squad player who who turns up uh, whether the, the moment is big or small. Thank you very much. And I've got to say thanks to people who have voted for us to get us into the final 10. Uh, it's much appreciated. I met some people last night, so even though no, not many people know what I look like, they, um, they know what I sound like. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate all the sort of votes that we get.
Yeah, and if you tend to only listen to Clive on this podcast and skip over the times when I'm talking and you're saying, what's he talking about? We did uh, make the finals of the football blog awards, the FBAs. You can find them on Twitter, at the FBAs. Um, you can see how to vote. It would be great if you would vote. Um, and if you're going to vote, voting for us would be even better. Uh, whether you think we deserve it or not, maybe you just do it because you're worried that we seem like we're really on the edge and, and you know, it would really help us out. So uh, you can go to their Twitter, at the FBAs, and see how to vote. Uh, alternatively, you can just tweet. I am voting in the at the FBAs for at Arsenal V podcast to win the hashtag uh, podcast category, hashtag FBAs. That's a lot in audio to try to parse, so I understand if you didn't get it. In any event, my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, leave us a five star review and write nasty things about uh, Gunner Blog. Yeah, why not? Write nasty things about him. What's that guy ever done besides do better music than I do? Uh, and generally hurt himself for the benefit of, of the club he loves. In any event, uh, we'll be back after Arsenal 10, Manchester United nil. Or Manchester United 10, Arsenal nil. It doesn't matter. Don't get upset. It's Thursday. That's the big game. Eyes on the prize, everyone. We'll talk to you then. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.